0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Radio Islam International. This is live reporting from Turkey and Syria. And my name is Habib Bobat as I join the Jamitul Ulama South Africa Relief Team here on the ground to distribute much needed aid to our brethren in this part of the world. And together with me I've got Morana Bilal Vaid of the Jamiat. morana assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi warahmatullahi barakatuh. morana Well, the situation is very grim and it's a very bleak picture at the moment that we are looking at. The death toll from the earthquakes in Turkey and northwestern Syria has gone past 29,000 as the rescue efforts continue. Now, just to create context for you in today's episode is to look at the two countries and to draw some analysis and also to create some context for our listeners back at home. Now we know that the death toll is sitting at 29,000 and counting uh, but if you break down the stats there you've got about 25,000 26,000 on the Turkish front and then just about 5,000 on the Syrian front uh, the situation is much dire on the t- on the Turkish front because there's 10 provinces that are hit and there's a state of emergency called by the government for three months and an alert level 4 has been issued uh, which basically means that now international countries can now bring in aid and uh, support the victims on the ground. But when you look at the situation on the Syrian front, uh, you find that the situation is much different. Malana,
1: very much so, Mr. Habib. Sahab. You know, um, we've been visiting the region for the last close on to 12 years now since the beginning of the Syrian crisis, and um, you know, it's it's just so heartbreaking what you're seeing these. Syrian people went through a, a process where they became homeless they faced the bombs then the difficulty of staying in refugee camps and I'm sure you'd recall on our visit last year what is it like for a refugee to sleep in the camp and currently as we are in the region sub-zero temperatures which is not something normal and then now to face the harsh reality of, of an earthquake when people have just, started over the last three years or so since the outbreak of COVID it's given the civil war in Syria some sort of some sort of a stalemate and it's allowed people an opportunity to rebuild their lives and now they, with the earthquake that has come uh, it turns them back 12 years in the clock
0: Yes, so if you look at the crisis there on the Syrian front uh, which we refer to as the IDP, internally displaced people the crisis they have been facing already from 2011, the earthquake has just exacerbated the problem for them on the ground. So it's like the second time around they are reliving uh, what they've been through in the last 10 or 11 years. So the situation is very uh, grim on their side. Allah Tabarak wa ta'ala make it easy. Bilal, when we talk about the coordinated relief approach, if we look at drawing an analysis between turkey and syria on the turkish front you've got the civil defense that's involved you've got trained medical personnel that's also assisting on the ground you've got uh, state-of-the-art machinery and equipment and tools which they are using to dig through the rubble and and pull out survivors and also the bodies of the marhums um, so you've got train staff and personnel working on the ground with state-of-the-art equipment and uh, with a lot of aid missions and, and, and other personnel helping on the ground. But when you look at Syria, the picture is different.
1: Very much so, Marona. It's almost completely the opposite situation. You know, when we came into the country, for example, at the airport, you still see a stream of emergency personnel coming from different countries. We uh, met the, the Malaysian mission. We've seen other teams coming in from other parts of the Far East, other parts of the world. I mean, there's a special desk at the Istanbul airport to receive uh, your personnel from the disaster, the governmental disaster management to receive these delegations. Whereas on the Syrian front, because of the political situation there, um, the borders are closed and many, many of the international, uh, many of the foreign countries have actually are not willing to to interact with Syria and this is especially the area that is in the northern Syria where the majority of IDPs are obviously um, in in Damascus and those other areas the situation is a bit more different but the the area that is severely neglected and the area that has been hit by the earthquake is the northwestern part of Syria where the larger majority of uh, four to six million refugees are in a small concentrated piece of land.
0: Yeah, so Turkey as a first world country is recognized by many uh, or well, recognized by the world out there in terms of the government structures and authorities. Therefore, it's much easier to bring in aid for the citizens in Turkey. But when you look at Syria, the situation is different because of uh, the control issue there. You know, i talking also uh, about the unique situation in Turkey. I mentioned it's a first world country and people relatively living a comfortable life. Uh, Now, in the wake of all of what has happened in the last few days with with, with the disaster and with the earthquake, um, we see overnight, overnight people becoming recipients of zakah, people becoming poor, Landowner or an owner of a shop or business suddenly now has nothing to do with um, we find the reluctance on their side to receive aid because of them not being in a situation like this prior to this Uh, when you look at Syria it is different these are people living relatively a comfortable life and now suddenly going into a, a different situation altogether they're not used to the culture of receiving Uh, that's one of the differences that we've noted between Turkey and Syria
1: definitely so Morana you know the people in Syria they uh, unfortunately had to become accustomed to this culture of receiving aid because of their situation for 12 years now Uh, however on the Turkey front we've been so to say forewarned by our uh, reputable partners that we are working on the ground that in some circumstances in some cities actually uh, they have to distribute the aid in some sort of a discreet manner or leave it in a, in a certain public place for people to come and take it uh, So, because people are feeling shy, they are not something that they are accustomed to and um, you know, you, you've got to be very tactful in the way you assist people because of the fact that they are, like you mentioned, they are from a first world country, people of a different mindset, different culture and
0: all of a sudden for this to change in a matter of seconds uh, is not a simple thing to deal with so as we close off for this session some reminders for ourselves that life can change in a moment and overnight things can change for anybody in the world uh, it shows how it shows us that how fragile life is and in the midst of all of this also there's a glimmer of hope we've seen so many so many inspiring stories coming from both sides on the syrian front and the turkish front we've seen a lady who did not have a scarf was insisting that I get my hijab first before I come out from this uh, life-threatening situation. We saw uh, a man coming out reciting We've seen babies and girls and small children being rescued six and seven days later. We've seen unique stories also coming out. We've seen the resilience of the people amidst all of what is happening around them. May Allah make it easy. The Jamia Walama South Africa Relief Team is on the ground. They've already provided 100 generators, 1,000 blankets and 1,000 sleeping bags. There's still more needed. There's immediate intervention needed for this uh, relief work that is taking place in the country. Uh, Habib Bobat reporting for Radio Islam International.